Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. What? I don't know what you're laughing at, but... So a couple of weeks ago... Oh, that's what you're... A couple of weeks ago, I went to uh, Savannah, Georgia, actually just next to Savannah, Georgia, to a place called Fort Stewart. You might be familiar with that place. It's a giant military installation. It's where, where the army, uh, at least part of the army, resides. I got to tell you, it was the coolest thing ever, driving down the road, seeing these enormous tanks with soldiers up top in their helmets, and you could hear bombing all night long. For, for a guy, it was just, it was incredible. Um, some of them were so close that I, I, I got outside and I was just kind of ducking, thinking that they were going over us. But a couple of weeks ago, I went to Fort Stewart uh, because I took Josh to a church. And uh, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. I wanted to go and, um, and, and experience this church. I had never been there before, but I had heard a lot about it. And so when we got there, and I have to explain, the, the people came to this church from all over the country. There were people from Wisconsin, there were people from Chicago, there were people from New York. I mean, there were people from everywhere. Did I get that right? Kind of, sort of, okay. There, 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 were, there were people from Florida. There was, the guy next to me was from Orlando. And so all of these people, about 80 people came together and, and they came to worship. And so I didn't know any of them except for Joshua and one other person. But I was so compelled to go because I had seen and heard how incredible this church was. And so when we got there, the first thing we noticed was that um, people were incredibly friendly and incredibly accommodating. Um, it, it, it was actually a, a, a thing where if you didn't have what you needed, somebody else had it and felt no problem at all loaning it to you. And in the evening times, we gathered around and ate together, and it wasn't a problem getting in line because if you cut the line, nobody cared. In fact, they would tell you, no, no, go ahead, because there was plenty. Everybody not only ate, but ate until they could eat no more. And let me tell you, we ate good. I mean, we're talking ribs. We're talking pulled pork. I mean, we're talking uh, 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 smoked chicken. It was incredible. Every meal we had at this church was incredible. For breakfast, I actually forgot some, some essential items like coffee. <clears throat> and, you know, that's not a good thing. But again, my neighbor said, dude, I got plenty of coffee. And so I had the cream and the sugar. He had the coffee. He didn't have any cream and sugar. So we just kind of shared what we had and we drank coffee. And even though I had just met him, we, we were like instant friends. It was wonderful. In the evening times, after dinner, we would all gather around the fire and we would tell stories. And some of the stories were interesting and hard to believe, but at the end of the day, we told stories, we laughed, we joked, and then we got up the next day and we did it all again. But here's the strangest thing about this church. It wasn't a church. We were acting like the church, but we weren't actually a church. It was a group of people called saddle hunters. This is a saddle. Now to you, this is just a piece of sewn together cloth with a rope and a couple straps, right? 
But to those who are saddle hunters, those who know different, this is a game changer. Now, the thing about saddle hunters is this. We truly believe that this is the only way to hunt. See, what you do essentially is you put this on, you climb up a tree, and you hang from the tree. I know. People who look at us like this. In fact, I have told dozens and dozens and dozens of people, and I would say out of the dozens and dozens and dozens of people I've told about this thing, I have maybe two converts One of them's name is Nick. He works at the fire station down here. It didn't take much convincing for him. Really what convinced him was putting it on and trying it. But see, we saddle hunters genuinely believe that this is the greatest invention on earth when it comes to to hunting. So the funny thing is, we were there, and and it was a hunt, and it was a, a dinner, and we shared meals. But the reason we were there was because of this. Without this... None of us would have been at Fort Stewart a couple of weeks ago, camping, enjoying meals together, enjoying time together. Everything was surrounded or because of this. And I tell you that because my, the entire weekend I was thinking to myself, what if the church understood why we were the church? You know, we've been told, and it's not, it's not necessarily wrong, maybe it's, maybe it's semantics a little bit, but in Acts, the Bible tells us that, that the, 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 the disciples were together in one place and they were breaking bread in, in, in fellowship and they were together in praying and they were doing evangelism and they were ministering to the needs. And so we've heard that there are a five-fold function of the church. And function's probably the right word because we, we don't exist for five things. We exist for one thing that we that we. Uh, is the reason we have those five functions. I'm jumping ahead pretty fast here, but you remember this whole conversation, right? Purpose-driven life, purpose-driven church. There are five functions of the church. You remember the church has, has gone through all this multiple times before. But here's, here's what we need to know. We are here not because of what we do. And we're not here because of who we are necessarily. We are here because of who He is. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. No doubt a familiar passage to you. I know that I have preached this passage multiple times throughout my ministry, throughout my life. And I keep coming back to it because if there's one passage in Scripture that clarifies who we are and why we exist, it is this passage here. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to slow down so you can... Turn there. Your fingers aren't working as fast as my mouth. (laughs) I've been told that before. And that's okay. I would much rather you turn there and see it. So Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. The scripture says, the Son. Who? Who is it? The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For in him, what is it? All things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, things visible, things invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. What is it again? Come on, say it loud with me. All things have been created through him and for him. 
He is before what? All things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Is there any more powerful passage of Scripture than this? Lifting up the, the, the person of Jesus Christ, reminding us that he's not just a prophet. He's not just a man. He is all supreme in everything and in everywhere. And so what I want to say to you this morning is quite simply this. You can, you should, you must, we must recognize the all-encompassing authority of Jesus Christ. Not only in our lives, but in our church, in our families, in our city, in our state, in our country, in our world, in our universe. There is no place in this entire existence of the universe that God has not established Jesus Christ as king. And see, we don't get this concept Super well, because, well, we live in a democracy. We live in a place where our opinion theoretically matters, right? And actually, I know we're a republic, but, but, but we live in a place where, where theoretically the people rule. And I say theoretically because we know that, that that doesn't always work out the way it should. But at the end of the day, we believe that we have a right and we do, according to our Constitution, to, to kind of make our own way and to kind of elect people to represent us. And, and there's authority and power in our hands in our world, right? And so we're accustomed to this idea of having an opinion and having thoughts on the matter and, and expressing those and having some hope or expectation that leadership who have authority and who have power are going to listen to what we want, what we think, and they're going to change and rule based on us. But you see, a kingdom is different. A kingdom has a king. Now, here's where we run into problems. We came to this country from a kingdom, right? Isn't that the fact? There's technical terms, but at the end of the day, there was a queen and there was a king in the history of, of, of our roots. And so we came to this country rebelling against that because there was, a, there was an abuse. Our picture of a king is not such a good picture. And in fact, all you have to do is go back into to the history of the great nations of the earth and see that kings rarely are worth our praise, Kings usually demand praise and honor and glory, 
but they rarely earn it. And even the best of kings, and there have been some good kings in the history of the world, but at the end of the day, they're few and far in between. Usually, kings have very seedy pasts, and they have, they have ulterior motives, and they have their own, own things that they want for themselves. But I'm here to tell you that we've got to understand that we don't live in a democracy. Excuse me. We're not residents of a democracy or a republic or even a a dictatorship. We are residents in a kingdom with a king who is all sufficient and worthy in every way of our worship and our honor and our praise because he's a good king. He's not an evil king. He's a just king. There is no unfairness found within him. There is no selfishness found in within him. There is nothing in him in any way that would lead us to rebel against him. It's all rebellion on our parts. Does that make sense? I know I'm kind of talking in, in, in a place that we're not, we're not comfortable with. But we need to understand that when, Colos- the, 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 when the, the letter to the Colossian church says... That in him all things were created and before and and all things have been created through him and for him. What the scripture is telling us is that our king is worthy of our praise. He does have all power. He does have all authority, whether you give it to him or not. He has the right to rule as he pleases. And the wrestling that you have and that I have in this world today, this very moment, is not a wrestle, it's not necessarily a wrestling of, of, of who's worthy, it's a wrestling of control. We want control. Would you agree with that? In your own life, is your wrestling, is your struggle with God not a struggle of control? Do you not struggle with whether, not, not necessarily whether or not God is worthy. We know intellectually He is. We wrestle with, do I want to yield control or not? i got to tell you, if I'm going to get in a vehicle, there are two things that must happen. Either I'm going to drive or I've got to trust the person driving. Agreed? Is that unfair? Because deep down in my heart of hearts, I'm a better driver than everybody else. Right? How many of y'all are the best driver on the planet? Amen, right? It's an act of faith getting onto an airplane. Why? Because I ain't in control of it. However, I'm smart enough to know that you don't want me in control of an airplane. See, inside of our... You take a child. What's a child's main problem? Control. What's the first word he learns? No. What's the second word he learns? Mine. We all know this. Right? Guess what? I'm 45. Things haven't changed. No, mine. You're 65. Nothing's changed. We want control. We want to be able to say, my way. I want it this way. I want to do this. And so many of us are comfortable with God as long as God sees it our way and does it our way. And as long as we have our foot in the door. And as long as we think that he's listening to us and he's respecting our opinion and all that other stuff. But I'm here to tell you that Colossians 1 tells us that our opinion doesn't matter. That what we want doesn't matter. You say, well, that's a harsh God. No, it's not. It's a worthy God. It's a God who's been here before we were created and who will be here long after the worms are feasting on our body. 
That was a morbid thought. But at the end of the day, only God is eternal in the way that eternal is really defined. He is, has no beginning. He has no end. You and I have a beginning. You and I have limitations. You and I have, have, have questions. Do you know that God has no unanswered questions? Let me rephrase that within the context of the, of the Scripture. Jesus has no unanswered questions. Jesus never has said, I wonder if. Never. Never. Never crossed his mind. Why? Because all authority. Right? All authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given to him. So we have this issue with kingdoms. And we have issues with kings because we are, labeled, we, we are perceiving Jesus as the king through our lens of what we think kings are about. And from history, we know that kings, most of the time, oftentimes are crooked and self-serving. But you see, there's a difference here. And here's the difference. This king looked at his people, looked at his kingdom, and he said, I love my people. So much so that I'm going to give myself, I'm going to submit myself to the earthly uh, curse of death. And I'm going to let the hands of men crucify my body. And I'm going to yield myself to their inferior power. And I'm going to listen to their curses. And I'm going to allow them to insult. And I am going to give of myself because it's the only way my kingdom will know that I'm really worthy of being king. I don't have to prove myself. I choose to demonstrate my love. I choose to lay down my life. Philippians chapter 2 tells us this, doesn't it? He didn't see equality God as something to be grasped, but no, he took on the very nature of a servant, becoming obedient even unto death, death on the cross. And so he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross so that he could do what only a king could do. And that is redeem a kingdom. And that's what the rest of this passage is about. He says, verse 20, And through Jesus to reconcile... What, do you, what does it mean when you reconcile? It means you, 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 you equalize. It means you make right. It means you find justice. It means that you, you balance the scales. So through Jesus... He reconciled to himself all things. Now, what is all things? Well, in the Greek, it's a very tricky word. All things in the Greek language means all things. It means the birds. It means the oceans. 
It means the mountains, it means the blades of grass, it means the flowers in the fields, it means the, the sheep and the goats and the ducks and the frogs and the crickets and the roaches, and it means, I don't know why, but he redeemed those two. And it means you and me, those who are created in the image of God. So God reconciled to himself all things through Christ Jesus. And in that reconciliation, he made us right with him. But here is the catch. The reconciliation is an offer from God that must be received by faith. In other words, let me say it differently. We must yield control to the king. For the reconciliation to cover us in his kingdom. And the great struggle of the universe right now is who will control. In your heart, that's the struggle right now. In your family, that's the struggle right now. Every single issue you face in your family is an issue of control. Amen? Everyone. Who will control? And it's not a matter of will the husband or the wife control, will the kids control, will the parents control. No, it's an issue of will Jesus control. And again, we've got these, these words that we've placed in cert, certain meanings to them. So our, our, our thinking of control is strangling, um, um, uh, selfishness, uh, doing what we don't want to do. Our mindset when it comes to the word control is a negative thing. But folks... It's not a negative thing when you've got a king who is perfect. It's not a bad thing at all when you've got a king who is competent. It's not an awful thing at all when you've got a king who is all-powerful. It's not a bad thing at all when you have a king whose love for you is so deep and is so rich and is so strong that he gave himself over to death on a cross so that you could be reconciled back to God. There's nothing in this king that is worth rejecting. And yet every day we do. There's nothing about this king that would make us go, I'm not sure I can trust him. The only reason that we wrestle with God is control. That's the great struggle that, that Satan has. Who's going to control? That's the great struggle your children have. That's the great struggle your neighbors have. That's the great struggle that you have and that I have. And here's the, here's the place that we should come to. We should come to the place where we say to God, God, I trust you. I believe who you are. Jesus, you don't have to prove anything else to me. I don't need you to show me anything else. I don't need you to demonstrate anything else. For God so loved us that he demonstrated he demonstrated that love. You've already demonstrated enough, Jesus. I don't need any more proof. In fact, Jesus, if I don't get anything outside of this life, if all I get is right now, in fact, if, if my life is harsh and brutal and, and, and awful, I'm still going to praise you. Why? Because you are king. Am I crazy here? This, this, is, what, this is what freedom is, folks. Freedom is surrendering everything to the king. 
But see, we don't see that because we see king as, as, as dominating and we see a king as, as taking things that aren't his, but it's, it's not that at all. It's relieving yourself of the worry and the responsibility of things that are outside of your control. And I had this crazy thought yesterday. I was kind of processing this a little bit. I was in the car and I was driving somewhere to meet somebody. And, 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 and I, I don't know why I was thinking this, but I was thinking, what if, what if I was in the doctor's office right now and the doctor said, Jeff, I got some bad news for you. You, you, have, you have six weeks to live. There's something terminal in you and you have only six weeks. And I, I, I can't explain it to you. But without, you know how you have these conversations in your head and it kind of comes out, out loud because you know nobody's listening or watching? My reaction to that, and I, I can't say that this would be my reaction, but my reaction in this, in this moment was, yes! And it kind of took me back and go, well, that's a little strange. And I started thinking, well, why? Why would I be upset to leave brokenness? Why would I be upset to leave sin? Why would I be upset to leave pain? Why would I be upset to leave sorrow? Why would I be upset to leave um, um, evil? Why would I be upset to leave anything in this world? Apart from my family and my church, you know, the things that I love. But at the end of the day, what on this earth is worth holding on to so much that we would not want to trade that for being in the presence of the king. Today we see but dim, dimly, just a, a, a vague picture. It's like looking through frosted glass. We know something is there. We just can't really see that. We see the outline, but we can't see the specifics. What would be wrong with moving past that, seeing perfectly clearly the beauty of King Jesus? Why would that be a bad thing? And you know what I think has gotten me to that point? And again, I'm, I'm real tough on this side of the dock, right? Here, here, here's what has happened. I've watched you die. I watched Frank Baggett move into eternity. I watched Jim move into eternity. I watched Henry and, and, and seeing this, there was, not a, there was not a fear. There was a hopeful expectation that they were about to move into an upgrade, not a downgrade. Does that make sense? So here's what I want to ask you. I started this message talking about a saddle and how the saddle is what brought all these strangers together. And by the way, this thing right here, brought total strangers together, and through that entire weekend, I didn't hear any fighting, I didn't hear any com complaining, I didn't hear any selfishness. In fact, on the, on the second day we were there, we were all showing each other how we use this differently. This is not going to make a whole lot of sense to you, but just indulge me for a moment. This is only a way to sit up in the tree. You've got to get up, right? So how you get up is, is where the difference... Everybody has one of these... But not everybody has the same way of getting up. And so some people take and they put um, uh, 
spikes on their, on their feet and they climb up like a, like a lineman. Right? I can't remember what they're called off the top of my head, but they're, spot, they're, they're climbing spurs. Some people strap, strap steps to the tree. Some people put nails in the tree. Some people throw a rope over a branch and they pull themselves up with just the rope. But here was what was neat. On, this, on the second day there, we all stood around learning about how each other did it. And nobody was like, well, my way's better than yours. Everybody was saying, man, that's pretty cool. I'm not going to do it that way. But, man, I like that. That's, that's neat. We stole ideas from each other, but they weren't stealing because they were giving them away. And it brought me back to the church and I go, what if the church did that? And, and by the way, we do. I've seen it with my own eyes. Have you seen it? We, we do. But what if we really understood that the church was bigger than just us? What if we really believe that some other people that don't belong here are still going to heaven? Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's one way. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You ain't getting to heaven at any other door. There's one door, there's one way, there's one bridge. That's it. But if that bridge is the same, what if there's a little bit of difference over here? Do I want them to do it my way? Yeah, of course I do. But am I, am I okay if that way is a little bit different as long as the main thing is not changed as the main thing? Y'all hear what I'm saying, right? We don't have to believe exactly alike. We just got to make sure that the, the foundation doesn't change. And so... What if we as the church had the mindset that it was all about Jesus? And what if every time we came here, our purpose was to praise the King? What if when we woke up in the morning, we woke up saying, Jesus, you are King. And I don't care where you send me and I don't care what it costs me. Lord, it's yours. It's yours. In fact, it's yours. You mind getting that? I mean, really, what? what oh, it's yours. You're like, what in the world does he carry up here? What if all of it was his? Oh, by the way, it is. Amen? It is. That's why Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples by what? Your love one for another. Because when we love each other, not in that kind of love that is selfish, a biblical God kind of love. That's next week, by the way. What if we loved each other the way God says a family is supposed to love each other? The world still wouldn't understand. But they would be mesmerized. At who we were. That's why the Bible says we're aliens and strangers. That's why the Bible says that we're a peculiar people. That's why the Bible says that the world's not going to understand. They're going to hate us for his name's sake. But guys, listen. Kevin said it best. When you've seen the score, the game doesn't worry you. We've seen the score. We've seen the score. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you today to absolutely acknowledge in your heart of hearts that Jesus is King. 
just go ahead and just go ahead and sell it all for the kingdom. Jesus, you are king. And the freedom that you get from that is amazing. I got to tell you, this roof over here, these roofs, it should drive me nuts. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me a bit. Now, I think about it every day. But you know what my thought is? That roof is God's roof. He'll either fix it through us, or it'll stay like it is. But it's God's. My responsibility to lead through it, but at the end of the day, that's, that's small stuff. Because if God can part the waters, He can fix a roof. And, and, and whatever else, whatever else we face, it doesn't matter. Because we have a king who is truly a king. Will you yield to his kingship now? I know you've prayed to receive Christ. Most of you in here, you have a relationship with Jesus. But, but if, if you're not to the point where, where, where he is truly exalted as king in every corner of your life, do that now. Will you? And then let him use you however he wills to talk about him as king. One thing I noticed, when you're sold on something, when you really think something is awesome, you don't shut up about it. Have you noticed that? I know it's true because I hear about your grandkids. Well, here's, God convicted me. He goes, Jeff, why are you telling people about that silly thing? And you're not as excited about telling people about me. If my conversation about him doesn't equal at least and exceed the number of times I talk about this thing to total strangers, something needs to change. Because this, this will save you from a fall. It won't save you in eternity. Will you pray with me? King Jesus, you are truly king of all kings. There is none beside you. There's none greater than you. There's none more worthy than you. Father, my prayer in this moment is that you would, you would give us a picture of your greatness. God, help us to see you as worthy. Father, help us to be hungry for your word and to be, to be convinced that knowing you is greater than all of the riches of the earth. Father, I pray that we would leave this place today with the renewed sense of your greatness. Father, this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? What song are we singing today? 300 without him. Without him, I would do nothing. Without him, I surely fail. You can just sit right here and I'll introduce you in just a moment.
like a ship without a sail. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Do not turn him away. God's people said, amen. You can be seated. Hey, I got good news for you. It's really only 9.03. So you're actually ahead in life, right? You got the whole day ahead of you. Man, I tell you what, if we could ever figure out how to convince the federal government to let us just keep daylight or just keep one or the other, I would be, I would be really happy. This is it's one of those times where, where I, I don't really, it's not, I don't guess it's stress, but I'm... I'm a little on edge because I know at 9 o'clock, it's really 10 o'clock, and if I don't get here till 9 o'clock, which is 10 o'clock, y'all been sitting here looking at nothing. So a little bit of pressure. If you, so I set all kinds of things in the house, and I still get it wrong. So Barbary and John McCleskey, we all know you mostly, and we've met you this morning for sure. Uh, I, I, I was a little late coming in, and so um, I'm assuming you, you were told a story. And reminded that last November or last December in a business meeting, we were talking about who's going to play the organ and are we finding somebody? Remember that conversation? By the way, this morning was a perfect example of why it wasn't just as easy as going, hey, why don't you play? John, you've been playing since you were 14, right? Not many of you around, are there? Organists, that is? He's been playing now for 50-something years, maybe? And, and the organ wasn't playing right. It, was, it wasn't playing nice. That kind of illustrates the point. It is a, it is a unique instrument, but we're going to fix it. So I want to say, y'all come on up here. This is uh, a good day. I want you, which way you want to be, right? <laughs> he, want, he wants to be on your left side. Okay, that's fine. We're, we're glad that you're here. And, and we really do believe that God sent you here. We really do. It's not just for the organ. I think that was like a, just a little gift on top. We believe God sent you here because you have a giftedness. You have a piece of the body that we're needing. Now, we may not fully understand all that that is, but we will. Because I know that the two of you are going to use that giftedness within the life of the body. And so we want to honor you and, and thank you for being here but also tell you that we're excited because this is a, this is a good day because we know that God has heard prayers and he said, I'm going to give you what you're lacking. Does that make sense? So, And we, we believe that about all of us here. All of us are a part of the body, an important part. So y'all can stand up here and everybody's going to come and flood you. And so we're past flu season mostly. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was actually in the emergency room yesterday with Hannah. She hurt her leg. And so, um, actually, Shannon stayed there the whole time. I just came in and out because there were sick people all over the place. And I'm going, man, this is, this is not a good day to be at the emergency room. She's fine. She's got a bruised, bruised, uh, bruised leg. So, 
Let's stand, let's pray together. We'll be dismissed. Father, we do honor you and thank you. We, we are grateful that Jesus is king. We love you. We commit our lives to you. And Father, we thank you that you sent us two people today um, who are here because you've placed them here. Father, help us to, um, to encourage and accept them as part of the family. And Lord, help us to recognize their giftedness for them to serve in a way that it would honor you and build the church. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.